And we'll get back to the calls with you in just a couple of minutes. We're having so much fun talking hockey and Bruins and NHL that we thought we'd add a, a third man into the conversation from Versus, NBC Sports. He works with the guy who taught me the broadcasting business, Mike Emmerich. Eddie Olchick joins us on the line. Eddie, it's Dale and Jack. How are you? Hello, da- Dale, Jack. How are you? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. How are you guys doing? Terrific. Great. Happy holidays to you, too. Hey, we were talking a little bit about, uh, unfortunately, and, and I'll start this on the down note, the, the concussion issue in the NHL. Yeah. Mark Savard probably won't play again. I'm not sure Chris Pronger's going to play again. And we have concerns about, you know, the, the preeminent star in our game, Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. Are they going to be able to fix this problem, do you think? Well, it is the uh, the uh, hot-button topic, uh, Dale, now over the course of the last, you know, I guess probably year and a half, two years. Uh, I think the league has tried extremely hard to look at it, and the league has been well ahead of this for a long time. I remember in the mid-'90s when I was a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins and I was still playing, our, our team physician, Dr. Chip Burke, I think is a, as a Massachusetts native, started kind of the protocol, the baseline testing way back in the mid-'90s to say, hey, okay, well, if players go through this, then at least the teams and the doctors have an opportunity to at least have something to fall back on when a guy does have his so-called bell rung, and then they can go back to these baseline testing. So, I mean, this has been in the works now for, you know, do the math since 95, 96, I believe. There's a lot of moving parts to this. The game has changed. The players are bigger. The game has gotten faster. There's not, you know, there's not as much hooking and holding as you guys, uh, you know, have seen in your your play-by-play days. And, I don't know how you can stop it. Do you put the red line back in? Yeah, that's that's what they're talking about, Edzo. You know, that, do you allow yeah. hooking and holding and obstructing? But the one thing I will say is that I'm a big believer is that from USA hockey all the way up through the amateur ranks into college hockey, I got two boys that play college hockey. I got one that's a freshman at Penn State. I have one that's a junior at UMass Amherst. And I will say is that I think the technique of hitting has gone out the window, meaning hands are up. Sticks are up, elbows are up, the equipment's way better. I think we might get to a stage where you got to say, look, if you're going to make body contact, your stick must be below your waist because if your stick is below your waist, there's a very good chance that your elbows and hands will be down and you're not going to hit as many guys in the head. So it's just a suggestion, but I don't know what the answer is, but I think you know the game has gotten a little bit too fast. But I will say this as well. I don't think the game is as physical this year than it was last year, and I think that has a lot to do with the penalties being handed out. And most topical to that, uh, just this hour, uh, Brendan Shanahan has suspended Derek Engeland of Pittsburgh for three games for his hit on on Kruger the other night, and mm-hmm. uh, what the video specifically shows is Engeland skates coming off the ice. And, right. and again, we get back to this theme that, that Shanahan established very early. If you're going for the body and you hit the head, mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. If exactly. your skates are coming off the ice, that is vertical movement. You are going up. The only reason you're going up is to hit a guy's head. And that's what I'm personally, I'm talking about Shanahan here. That's what I'm taking out of the game. And that that's a beautiful thing. Let us uh, can let me uh, change the subject a little bit sure. here, Edzo, because uh, – Bruins fans uh, from afar, at least see the Western Conference at all, mm-hmm. uh, have seen Chicago charge up the standings in the Western mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, what are the Chicago Blackhawks doing now 
that is different from what they were doing in the first uh, 10, 15 games of the season when the Bruins saw them? Well, I, I think that they've got their uh, rotation as far as lines, and they've got you know plenty of depth on a couple of lines. I mean, there aren't many teams, and the Bruins certainly are one of them, and all Bruins fans know this, is you can throw out two lines and know that they're going to be a threat to score each and every night, and they're going to be able to create offense. I think Chicago has uh, been able to do that. They've been able to get a lot of depth from, from Taves and Kane and Sharp and Hosa. You know, they've pretty much they've gone stretches without Seabrook and Keith, their top two defensemen. They've gotten really good goaltending early in the year from um, from Corey Crawford, but then he went for a little bit of a dive in November. And then Ray Emery stepped in here over the course of the last six, seven games, has played really well. I will say this, Jack, is that their schedule has been pretty friendly to them, meaning a good chunk of their games. And I don't want to say two-thirds, but pretty close to that. They've had some teams that were either out of the playoffs last year or have really struggled this year. They've played Anaheim three times. They've played Columbus three times. They've had Calgary three times, Edmonton three times. So, you know, they've had a pretty good schedule. Now, you know, they went into Pittsburgh the other night, and if you want to use Pittsburgh as one of the measuring sticks, I look at them in the top three with the Bruins and Flyers, in my opinion, in the East. Yep. You know, they got down 2 nothing, and then they just really took it to the Penguins in the third period. 3 nothing. excuse me, they got down and, and weren't able to regain. So I think there's a lot of moving parts in that, Jack, that you know, they've kind of taken off. With the, they have offensive depth, and uh, it'll be interesting to see once they start seeing a lot of the premier teams in the league is how they're able to handle that. They haven't seen Detroit yet. Uh, they played Vancouver a couple times. They split with them. So I think uh, they are the team that beat, I believe, in the Western Conference. I still think with some cap spaces, they're going to make a couple of moves to try to upgrade uh, the center ice position, the two-hole, and uh, also possibly get a little more depth on the blue line. Eddie, you've played at the highest level. You've coached at the highest level. There's nothing in HBO's 24-7 you haven't lived. <laughs> but, but, but for those of us who have never had that privilege, it's, it's the greatest thing ever to watch it. But I'm guessing that if you were still coaching, you'd hate to have that intrusion in your room. Yeah, you know what, Dale? It, it would be, but I think if, if you have the open mind and the understanding that it's about the game, it's about the big picture, it's about the event of the Winter Classic. I mean, I enjoyed myself immensely you know, being in Fenway and seeing the Bruins win an extra innings over the Flyers a couple of years ago. I <laughs> To me, I think if you have that mindset and it's all about selling and it's all about promoting the game, I think it's a great thing. Now, will it happen again? I mean, we've seen it already. We've had a couple of teams that have been a part of the Winter Classic a couple of different times, and I know the 24-7 has just been around a short period of time. But I think if you have that mindset, and I believe that I would if I ever was in that position to understand that it's okay for a short period of time, once you get over the first couple little bumps and the rules that go on, you kind of let it go. But I think it's been a it's been a grand slam all the way around from the very first game in Buffalo, all the way through to Chicago and Boston and Pittsburgh, and uh, and getting to uh, you know Philadelphia here in the new year. Andrew Ferentz told me this morning he wouldn't want it on his team because he said I'd be so afraid of of filtering everything. It must mm-hmm. be hard to forget they're there, and it seems when you watch it that they forget pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, you guys. You guys know the locker room in the National Hockey League very well, and uh, you know, I mean, there there are areas that uh, you know you the access and, and those type of things are are certainly off limits. But 
you know, I, again, it's it's about selling our game, and you guys know how great our game is, and and that's you know in the big picture, that's what you have to look at. A little earlier in this show, Edzo, uh, before you were able to join us, um, <clears throat> we were having a discussion about Gretzky versus Lemieux, mm-hmm. and uh, having played head to head and alongside uh, right. those two stalwarts. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot and say take one over the other, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm I would argue for Lemieux. Uh, a lot of other people, I took the other guy, especially some mm-hmm. texters, instantly uh, chastised me for uh, for not putting Gretzky <laughs> as my number one center. But describe what these two guys were like on the ice and and the difficulties or advantages they gave to their teammates or opponents. Yeah, two two different styles when it came to how they went about their business and and dominating. Uh, You know, I played with Mario, played against them, was drafted in the same year, uh, played against Wayne Gretzky for, you know, for many, many years. The amazing thing with both of these guys is I really believe, and again, it it goes with, you know, it goes with the Bobby Orr's of the world. And there aren't a lot of those guys, but I really believe Jack is that they see that game they saw what was going to happen before it did, and they saw the game where we get a chance to do the games from the press box. You see everything develop, so they know where to be. That would probably be the greatest thing that I could say about playing alongside a guy like Mario Lemieux. He knew what was going to happen before it did. And, I, you know, it's, it's just an amazing feat, and especially at the size and the stature of the way that Mario Lemieux played and the it, and the gracefulness, if I could use that as, yeah. as a term for a guy at you know six four, six five at two twenty five, two thirty, to be able to ha- handle that stick and make plays and have people draped all over him, uh, you know, I would love, I would love to have been able to see those particular guys play in the era of the game it is today. <laughs> no clutch and grab, yeah. Without the hooking and holding, you know, like could could Gretzky have had two hundred and fifty points? You know, could Mario have popped the 220 range? Could Mario have got 100 goals with the freedom of in, instead of being, you know, somebody draping all over him? Uh, I, just, you know, playing with Mario Lemieux and seeing him every day, you get a you get a much greater appreciation, like you would if you didn't get a chance to play with somebody else on a daily basis. But uh, two tough individuals to play against. You knew when they were on the ice, they made everybody around them better and really helped send this game to another level after the players of the era of Orr and, and, uh, and Makita and, and Esposito and those type of players, and then all of a sudden you get that wave of, of, of Gretzky and Lemieux. Uh, we're very lucky to have some of the very best players ever to play in the history of the National Hockey League. Talking to Eddie Olchik from Versus and NBC Sports. Eddie, I want you to give us an outside perspective. Jack and I are too close to the forest to, to, to see the trees here yeah. when we talk about the Boston sure. Bruins. Give me an outside perspective, what out there, what they're saying about the Boston Bruins. We all know they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but what are people saying about the way they are this year? Well, I was in their opening night uh, against the Flyers and uh, in, in doing that game with, uh, with Doc Emmerich. Uh, I really felt of just being around the room for a day and a half, getting ready for that opening night, and, and have lived winning a Stanley Cup in New York with the Rangers back in 94. There's, there was something in the room and the tone and the attitude of a team that had been there and done that and the experience. 
that I really felt, and I said opening night, is that I believe that the Bruins can repeat because of the leadership, because of the experience. And, yes, they got off to a rough start. They got off to a really, really tough start. And it's going to happen when you lay it on the line and guys have career years and you go as long as you do, it's inevitable that you're going to hit a wall. Some teams hit it a little bit after the start of the year. It happened to be with – with the Bruins where it was right off the bat and maybe that, you know, it ends up being the greatest thing in the world that it was as bad as it was early because it couldn't get any worse. I look at a team like Chicago coming off a cup a couple of years ago, the inexperience, the immaturity, uh, the understanding is you don't, or maybe not the understanding to know how hard it is to win until you actually attain it. And everything that comes with, with the Stanley cup, the partying and, the, and everybody telling you how great you are and the parade and, all that kind of stuff. And I, and I can just, I only can relate it to experience, but I just felt in that room is that they could do it and they can do it because of the leadership and the experience. And uh, it's been a remarkable turnaround. Uh, one that uh, I think is for the history books, considering, uh, you know, where they were and in, in the November that they had and, you know, the, the emergence of Tyler Sagan and the great leadership of Patrice Bergeron and, and having Shara and, and Dennis Seidenberg, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the entire National Hockey League, and having two really, really good goalies. Uh, I think the outside perception from me is, is that the Bruins are one of the beasts of the East. And uh, uh, barring anything, uh, any nasty injuries, is that uh, they're going to be there. And uh, I felt that from day one, and uh, it wasn't looking too good early, but uh, they've rebounded like champions, and I wouldn't uh, expect anything else from uh, from the leadership of Cam Neely all the way down. Eddie, please uh, give my uh, my best to Doc when you see him next, and uh, it's always fun to talk hockey with you. Thanks. Okay, Dale. Jack, nice being with you, buddy. Takes me back to our old days. Huh? <laughs> yeah, way back. <laughs> Thanks, that's all. <laughs> talk to you later. Have a great holiday to, to you guys and your family and all uh, the great Bruin fans there. Thanks, Eddie. You too. Eddie, that's uh, Eddie Olchek from Versus NBC Sports. Uh, calls the games with Doc Emmerich, Darren Pang, somewhere about that height, sometimes in there, <laughs> Pierre Maguire, about that height in there sometimes as well.